0: the trembling of a blade of grass in the wind, the geometry made by a particular leaf as it falls from a tree over time, or the little rivulets that are made on your windshield when it's raining and you're driving. The way that matter moves matters a lot. And when we pay attention to movement we discover an entirely new communication, a form of expression that is transverbal. And movement moves us, perhaps because it is so free from the prison of words and thoughts and ideas. It simply is its own trajectory of freedom in expression. It takes shape, manifests as it becomes over and over and over again. And maybe these are the lessons, the insights of why I wanted to have a conversation with dancer Anique Shadek. The idea of flexibility and fluidity, the tension between holding form and strength, and yet being so willing to collapse into flow, is something that we all need to learn in life, regardless of what it is that you do. This is unknowing in movement, (laughs) in the daily movements of our lives, in the postures that we hold in our bodies that declare what we've become identified with, and in the willingness to let those postures go, to surrender from one form into the next, to let go of what was and make room for what could be. Anique Shadek is a master of movement. She is a performance artist and choreographer who began her professional career in 2007. But since then, she's performed with several dance companies around the world, such as the Dresden Semper Opera Ballet Company, Les Ballets Jazz de Montreal, or the Ballet Praljocage. She is quite literally breaking ground in movement, which is why she has been featured in dance shows at the Lido in Paris, or at the Friedrichstadt Palace in Berlin. She is working currently between Luxembourg, Berlin, and Paris, And her creative interest centers around the collaborative theater and commercial dance work, even while she continues to research dance and movement daily, which she chronicles on her social media account, which you should absolutely follow. Watching her continued commitment and devotion, her intrepid fearlessness in reaching even further into new possibilities of physical expression through dance is Truly one of the most mesmerizing things I've seen on social media. So what can you learn from a dancer? What are the lessons that you can apply to your own life? Where are you being stretched? Where are you being invited to hold the tension between form and flow? So with that question in mind, let's dive right into this conversation with dancer and choreographer Anik Shadek. Well, Anik, it is such an honor to have you on season two of Unknowing. Um, As I've just mentioned to you, I feel like I'm a little bit of an internet stalker with you because I love your work and your dancing. And every time one of your clips shows up on my Instagram feed, I have to watch it repeatedly like for at least 10 minutes because I'm captivated. So thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: Uh, It's all my honor. The honor is mine.
0: So I usually like to begin by asking about the map that you were given growing up. Mm-hmm. All of us were given some parameter, some framework, some belief system, and it really kind of set us off in a particular direction. So what constitutes the basis of how you initially made sense of the world and your place in it?
1: um yeah it's a it's a very complex question i think Uh, but um so first of all i am uh, i grew up and i was born in luxembourg it's a very small uh, country in in the middle of europe i come from a very safe family but here in luxembourg we have a lot of nature and um, society here is particular i think like everywhere you go you have a kind of a a very particular uh, mindset in, the, in society, a mentality. Mm-hmm. And I will not go on uh, explaining this, but um, I think for me, because it's a very safe place uh, in Luxembourg, but the safety can also be detriment of uh, freedom. Yeah. So I think this is a very, these are two components that are very uh, important to me. You have on one hand the safety and the, on the other hand uh, the freedom. So I think the, the struggle I had growing mm-hmm. up here, here in Luxembourg.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Do you have any particular questions? Um, that was great because what I want to ask you about is your earliest experience with dance. And you mentioned that tension-filled um, reality of safety and freedom. Yeah. And I think that we're probably going to talk about that later on, about the, the relationship between structure and fluidity. Mm-hmm. And so what was your first encounter with dance? Was it while you were there in Luxembourg? Tell us about the moment that you discovered movement.
1: I, I can't remember a particular moment like, wow, um, where I saw dance. Also, I mean, here in, in, our, in Western culture, dance is not really part of how we grow up, you know? Like, I don't come from a family where there was always dancing and, you know, music playing. Um, there's no one particular moment, but, uh, and I started dance also quite late. But I remember uh, being very like the first performances on TV. I saw from dancers, and and I remember I just have the memory that this was really um, this was strong. They had a strong impression on me. So it comes rather from a, from seeing dance than experiencing dancing. And I think yeah, there was something in seeing the dancers and how they were expressing themselves and moving freely, that really made me wanna do dance, you know? And then, um, like, while growing up as a teenager, I remember my first party <laughs> dancing, you know, uh, to some, to the, yeah, there was a moment where I felt like, wow, this is great, you know? And even though I didn't know how to dance, but just, um, yeah, being carried away by this, this kind of flow or, yeah. That was the first memory how I, where I really felt, um, yeah, how it can carry you, the music and, the uh, the energy when dancing with with a group of people.
0: <laughs> mm. And then from that moment, you know, you have this experience, you're, you know, you're a teenager. And it's funny because you were, you were talking about like being carried away, being a teenager and dancing with friends. And immediately my memory was like of really like awkward movement and dancing, you know, like as a teenager, but I'm sure that your version of that was way more graceful.
1: I don't know. I I just remember feeling really uh, cool. Also, <laughs> I know I've had like a cool kid. You know, ah, I was now in the group of the cool kids. I feel and but at that moment I felt really like nobody can touch me. You know, yeah, really freeing also because I I could be myself. You know, without um, and I didn't care what about wrong or right. You know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's a liberation that happens in movement because it seems that it's in many ways it it's transverbal. It goes beyond the spoken word and it's primal in the sense that it's preverbal. Movement in that way can be so liberating. Um and so it's fascinating to me. You have this experience of freedom and I love that you said you felt untouchable. And in that fluid experience of connecting with the music and the flow how soon after those early experiences dancing where you're like oh no now i want i want to do this for real and and when did your training as a dancer begin
1: yeah that's interesting because then i really wanted to to dance and also i was really um fascinated by ballet but i knew it was i was already quite old i was 13 i think and yeah. So and I it was like a, it was a dream, but I didn't dare really to, to say, because in Luxembourg, there's no, no professional dance school and it was really small town almost feeling. Yeah. And then finally my mom, she said, okay, you can enroll in the local conservatory. And that's where I started my, my dance education. And I was really crazy about classes. I was I was very passionate, but I think how how dance often is taught instead of um, giving you a nice feeling about your body and your moving, it's the opposite. Yeah. And um, it depends, I think, a lot on the teachers. Yeah, it's also the mentality from, I don't know, 30, 40 years ago. It's very restrictive and not very encouraging. It's more like look in the mirror and, and 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 notice all the mistakes you make, you know, instead of <laughs> the opposite. So yeah, that's how I learned dancing. Yeah, I was I was really hard with myself.
0: Mm-hmm. It seems yeah like the and this was my experience in dance as well. I was in ballet from the time that I was five until I was thirteen, and. Likewise, in Madrid in Spain, I was taught in the Russian school of ballet and every, every, every little detail of what is maybe not proportionate in your body or every like extension that isn't perfectly extended. All of the mistakes are highlighted and mm-hmm. it is a it's rigorous because of that, because it requires such precision and attention to detail. Um, but you're right. It, it's almost like it can be a crucible because you become so prone to attacking yourself or critiquing yourself. And yet, what a double-edged sword, though, because that very precision is necessary to get to the point where you could become a professional dancer.
1: Yes, but now I I don't believe that it, it's necessary, even though because for me that was really this being hard with yourself and I didn't only see it in the dance education it was part of the what you said before about the the map I grew up with uh-huh. that's also how I grew up with you know like to yeah to be very much in the mind and um to be very hard with yourself and not allow yourself really to to feel free but we were taught in school, in, in normal school also, like this control, this, uh, discipline. <sighs> so that's a part that was not only in dance education. And I feel over the years, I had to liberate myself from all of this in order to find something again that I felt when I was a little kid. I had to unlearn what I learned in a way. That's how I see my dance career so far, even.
0: Mm. So I'm curious about that moment when, because this is something I like to talk about on the podcast as well. You're given a specific map and you follow the rules of that map or that worldview, which as you're describing it, is this very controlled, rigid, mechanical do things perfectly kind of way and leads to a lot of critique and harshness on yourself. Mm -hmm. So that was the map. Well, what was the point? Do you remember a moment? Was it when you were in one of the ballet companies that, that you've, I mean, you've been in many ballet companies around the world. Was it while you were in a company that you had this sense of I'm gonna leave this, or I'm gonna I'm gonna jump off this map, or I'm gonna veer off and go in another direction, or something was calling you to explore something beyond the perfect school of ballet.
1: Yeah, um I mean, there was no particular moment, but um I feel it was a process really of of uh, of realizing and, and there were key moments for sure, but it was really gradual and um but it was also my my body in a way that forced me to take a break you know Mm. because i was really instead of working with my body uh, i was working against my body like it was a separate entity Mm. (laughs) you know and i had to realize this first i mean that's the first step you know you realize something and then you still don't know how to change it and then it's a gradual process, and uh, changing this this concept also made me change so many other things in my life because our body is so it's so important for human being. Mm-hmm. It's what carries us through the world, and our relationship to it is um, the most it's one of the most precious things we have, you no? Know? Because it connects us to the primordial. Is that the right word?
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the primordial, you know? yeah. So to to the
1: essence in a way, and um, so yeah, I think it's very important how we take care of it, how we honor honor our body, how we respect it.
0: Yeah, it's so beautiful to hear you describe what I might define as the spirituality of movement, because. You're talking about disembodiment and the problems of being disembodied, which, you know, at a surface level, it's like you can sit there and be like, oh, yeah, well, you have to be in your body to dance. But you're you're demonstrating the fact that you can go toward dance from a very disembodied way, in a way that is going against the natural movement or the natural shape of your own body in, in a way that's attacking it, that's trying to subdue it Um you know, like I just have this this visual of like the forcing of a body into a specific form or shape. Mm-hmm. And so much of society, I think, has suffered from that very disembodiment, the fact that we aren't really here. And because we're not in our bodies, we're not really able to experience each other we're not able to connect with each other as bodies or care for all the bodies of the earth. So like when you think about dance and movement, does it feel spiritual to you in that way? Or, or do you have a different way of thinking about the medicine of movement?
1: No, uh, it's 100% for me. Dance is 100% uh, spiritual. Yeah, but what, also what you said before, the word matter is also very, very important. That the body is um, our connection to matter. Uh, you can say, okay, spirituality, thoughts, uh, whatever it can mean, but the body is almost like the um, the vessel or the the instrument. Yeah, the, it can translate it, or it's it's on the on the border of the two worlds, you know, of the the spiritual world and then matter what we live on this earth of experiencing things and colors and yeah so it, it's on the on on the other spectrum of um yes yeah, uh, something conceptual or in the mind by thoughts no
0: yeah uh, like the relationship you're describing makes me think about how creativity <laughs> is essentially when the imaginal or the imagination or the idea
1: mm-hmm.
0: becomes manifest in matter like that is creativity and so the way you're describing movement is the union of those two worlds in a, in a fluid expression of the body
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. it just yeah. explains why you know, and I, I'm definitely going to be posting some clips of you dancing so that folks can see this when when the show airs. But it explains why there's something so deeply reverential about the way that you move. Um, and I want to ask you about how you hold this unique relationship that I feel like you're developing and pioneering in your own very unique way. How do you hold the relationship between structure and form and the fluidity of play? How do you hold the tension between those two without over-collapsing yeah. into either pole?
1: Yeah, that that's a bit what I've been researching this a bit, you know, because I've been working now a lot with improvisation because I, um, the moment I'm developing a bit my own choreographic work, but I realize yeah. how I'm really drawn to improvisation or, or free, free movement. Um, because, uh, yeah, I've been doing sad choreography for so many years, but I really feel that with improvisation, there's this moment where there's no doubt that it's, yeah, it's this magic moment, and so uh, yeah, I've been researching around it. Uh, what's how to to get there? Because it's not always given. Yeah, it, there needs to be a starting point. There needs to be a lot of receptivity, I guess. Because if you're trying to reproduce something you did yesterday, or you know, it doesn't work. I, I guess it's the same in music, you're a musician, no? Yeah,
0: yeah, That's um, um,
1: That, uh, okay, you need to assess first, okay, what what is there today? And what really wants to come out also, in a way? And sometimes you try and it's not working or you're not happy. And then, yeah, I have a, diff- a few different ways of challenging myself also. I think that's also important too, to always try to do something a bit um against your natural your habits let's say so against something automatic because then it gets automatic you know and um but for me there's different tools for this um, cuz music I mostly I I dance to music I mean you don't necessarily need to dance to music of course but it definitely helps me to discover new things because, I mean, there's there's such a vast variety of music and good music, I think, also has this, there is this something that nobody can explain, but I think also that comes from the musician who played the music. And so this, on the other hand, again, inspires the dancers and... um, yeah, but of course I also train every day. About <laughs> yeah. structure and 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 freedom, you were. I think that was your question. That for the body, you need to prepare your body so that it has the freedom. I mean, there's preparation Nothing happens like this. No, I mean every dancer has his own way to prepare his body to feel your best, to have this openness and strength and elasticity, I guess.
0: Which you're talking specifically about dance and movement. And yet, as I'm listening to you, these are principles that apply to every human who wants to grow and be a contributor of some sort. One of the things I say on this podcast is, everybody's a creative. Whether you think you're artistic or not, you are creating something out of the shape of your life you're contributing something you're singing something you're moving in in one particular way and so i like that you're you're talking about the importance of of setting up the conditions in which that receptivity of inspired movement improvisational movement can happen. And it reminds me of a spiritual teacher, James Finley, who he, he said when he was talking about moments of spiritual transcendence, he was like, you cannot make those moments of oceanic oneness and transcendence just happen, but you can create the conditions in which they're more likely to happen. And so as I'm listening to you talk about the relationship between you know the discipline of working your body every day, and then the relationship between yourself and your music. I hear you describing the conditions uh-huh. that then allow for these moments of inspiration and play and fluidity to take shape.
1: Yeah, and also in a way to let go of all, uh, to forget almost, and to to experience it in like a new, like a child. You no, know? yeah, it, it's a very thin line of the the two.
0: Yeah, what I like about the way that you're describing it is that that it's the embrace of both and, <laughs> that you mm-hmm. need both elements to be present in order for, mm-hmm. for that unknowing creative moment to happen. Yeah. So you're disciplined in showing up to working on your skills. You're devoted to having this commitment to experimentation and improvisation and play and I want to talk about how that works with others. How that works in relationship to other dancers and how you move together, you know. <laughs> it's like I'm I'm curious about the pieces that you've collaborated with other dancers in or comp- when you've been in a company because it's so clear that there's some unspoken and again this goes back to like it's it's not even verbal but there's some communication happening between you mm-hmm. and so much trust seems to have to be there between a partner or a group of other dancers mm-hmm. and i wonder if you could describe for us is that trust just muscle memory or does it have to be created with each new partner or company and and what is that process like how does that fluidity of communication happen
1: yeah for me it doesn't like with people in general no you, you you're not best friends with everyone <laughs> you know you you can like somebody but you will not become friends with or best friends with everyone so and in a company it's more you're put together with a partner or with the group you cannot choose now as a freelance dancer or as a choreographer I, I have the honor of choosing people I want to work with. So, and this often goes by a feeling or by an intuition. Oh, I want to work with this uh, person, and then um, uh, I just say, uh, "Yeah, that's." I already pick with who, who I work with in in a way. And then, of course, with some people, um, it's an instant uh, connection. Uh, with other people of course then there needs to be a, a bit more adjusting or talking also about what what do we want to do how do we get there and like the normal working process for me uh with working with other dancers or a group or um leading a group of dancers is to For me, this is very important to see individually, okay, where are these people at? Mm. um, What can be our common goal? Because also working as a choreographer, I don't like to to impose something on people Mm. because there were so many things imposed on me. I don't want to be the one um, doing the same thing to other people because for me, it didn't really work. Uh, I can reproduce something from somebody else. I can do it, but I don't see the point of doing it. So uh, when we're working with other people, I, it's very important for me that um, that this this personal individual voice of of each one of the dancers has a has a chance to to get out.
0: So even as a choreographer, then Anik, it sounds like you go in with inspiration or a vision of what could be or what you're hoping could happen with this group of dancers and yet in the moment you're having to unknow some of that and pay attention to each of these dancers and does it then kind of shift and are you co-creating it kind of spontaneously then yes most of the time because i think
1: it's also if you, in general, if you're leading a team, you need to either you can be very authoritarian. No, mm-hmm. yeah. I want this, and uh, you do what I want. No, or or you you try to find compromises and uh, and take it also as a chance that your ideas might get a chance to develop or to take a form that you never might have uh, imagined before. So um, yeah, I, I really it. Sometimes it takes a bit of an effort because to think in a different direction that you thought originally because it doesn't work out with the team. But uh, I think as an artist, you have to stay open to that because I think a big part of being an artist is uh, co-creating something in a a community and be it just with three or four people. I think the, the human aspect especially in the art business is a bit uh under overlooked or underestimated but uh i think the product this might maybe sound shocking to some people but the the, the results should never be above uh the process like in the process should be a uh, almost like a i mean this yeah this is sounds pretentious but a piece of art in itself, you know. But if if you got what I mean, um, just the relationship between the people and what, what what they can learn from each other while creating and while doing something, and may, maybe even if the result is nothing groundbreaking, or maybe some just some people like it, or, but the process is also important.
0: I'm only grinning and trying to hold back from just like screaming because I've been for the last three years saying the process is the product Mm -hmm. that the process Mm -hmm. is the end goal and if only we could really see it that way Mm -hmm. then then we are really in the creative flow whether that process is your life or a piece of art or choreography but I fully resonate with what you're saying and as a musician, it's very similar to the process of being in the studio. You know, I might have a the rough idea of a song. You know, the the overall structure sketch of like, okay, this is kind of how the melody goes, this is what I'm thinking. But if I'm not open in the moment to the way that, you know, D- David's guitar line might change the way that I sing or, you know, we were just in the studio in December and we recorded a song that I had been working on and I, we recorded it at the pace that I originally wrote it, which was pretty slow. And after we listened to it, we had recorded all these parts, the bass, the drum, all these like organ parts and everything. And the song was almost done. And we just all looked at each other. We we're like, this is this is way too slow. Like we need to re-record this whole song. <laughs> but it's that kind of fluid flexibility that I think makes us collaborators with life mm-hmm. and life force. And inspiration in the moment. Um, and I, I just, I love that you're saying the process is the art. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and to have a certain uh, joy and lightness to it now, um, I feel I don't see it enough. I didn't experience it enough so far. And um, because I, I think that's also the, the role as an artist in society. Nowadays, I feel a lot of artists they have to justify their existence, and it's especially in Europe where there is a much more uh, subventions from government. If you only see it as a product that has been that can exist because it was has been given money, and then yeah, it's a bit okay. It's 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 a product, you mm. know. But if you see it more globally. And people coming together and creating and having this opportunity to create and to to collaborate with different people and to go home and inspire other people or take inspirations from from other people around you, then it becomes much much more of um, uh, yeah the, a very important part of society. I, th- I, I think, especially for performing arts. I mean, if you make a movie, that's a different. No, but uh oh, it's also two ways of seeing your work as an artist i guess i uh, for yeah. me personally, I took the choice to to be more conscious of the everyday of my profession mm-hmm. than on mm-hmm. reaching for some uh, goal
0: or achievement, yeah, achievement yeah. yeah it's this is an important topic because the machinery of industry has really kidnapped the arts, mm-hmm. has really hijacked that creative, joyful spirit that you're describing and turned it into products. And it's really, it's so overemphasized to the point where like, you know, now it's being driven by what sells versus being driven by true originality or creativity. So, but what's interesting to me about what you just said too, Anique, is that you said You're more committed to the art of the everyday expression of that joy and lightness bubbling in and through you. You're more committed to being a vessel of that life force energy every day than you are about getting to a certain point on the map or reaching your destination or goal, which is, to me, the gift of unknowing those maps, (laughs) is to forget the map, forget what the end goal was of where you thought you needed to get to in order to be worthy or be justified and to instead become present to the everyday as the path of no arrival. Mm -hmm. This place Mm -hmm. is good enough. This expression is good enough.
1: Yeah, it's two energies almost. And uh, one is not better than the other because if you Uh you never have a goal, then... It's also interesting to have a goal. You mm-hmm. push further if you have a goal. You challenge yourself right, more. So right. I think it's finding the balance of having a goal and having this um, carpe diem. Radical presence. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> and for me, yeah, I try to find the, the middle way a bit, but because... I experience so much of the other uh, where I where I live and work of this uh, goal orientated and this performance uh, spirit. I have to remind myself, okay, you know, to go a bit against that. But mm. I'm not saying that it's completely wrong or that. It's just there's a bit too much of it already.
0: That's helpful. There. Yeah, that's a helpful reframe because I think sometimes in my desire like you said there's a bit too much of that goal orientation oh. that in my desire to free myself and be you know dedicated yeah. to the moment of unknowing i can easily burn all my maps <laughs> into this giant pyre of like that's it there's there's no arrival point but what you're saying is hold the two intention and and, and see how that tension can actually become a harmony. See how that vibration can become something beautiful. So I, I want to ask you about what sharpens your own, what pushes you, like what helps you continue to explore new expressions of movement? You know, as I watch you dance, Anik, it's like I feel like your movement is the the kind of articulation that I see in the movements of nature? You know, it's, it's to see you dance is like to watch how water bends around a rock, or how a bird takes flight, or the um, the trembling of a leaf. <laughs> I mean, this is literally as I watch you dance. I'm like, she she's moving like a leaf does on a tree. How is she doing this? Um, so, in your movement, are you are you are you? actively trying to unknow the expectations of how a body should move or maybe a different way to ask this is where does your inspiration or like to keep pushing your own edges like where does that come from does it come from the inside out or are you looking at things in nature or other dancers and being like inspired by that or is it both
1: yeah. I mean it's I don't have a specific image. That that's for sure um not. As I said before, it's a part of it I I I do my training. <laughs> like you know, preparing the body and then um and when I when I dance or improvise I really try to almost let my awareness go somewhere else and that it's almost happening to me that that's really when, when this moment happens then i know it's it's there's just a flow that i i cannot i cannot explain and and i know when i'm too much looking at it or trying to control it control it then and it's complete uh, uh, blockage but it's finding this moment of where you almost with your awareness you you go out and then, yeah, I mean, it's it's an example, but I've been reading about a bit about quantum theories now. And it's having this, um, to experience your, your awareness uh, in different places at the same time, on, you're with the music, in a way, very connected to the music, you're very connected to one part of your body, you know? So it's, uh, and with the space around you and, um, you feel everything, but at the same time and and that's that's I think um, in this state, you can do nothing wrong and and it surprises you you sometimes I do stuff that I would never imagine and and that's why I love improvisation so much because yeah it's you're not controlling the energies we already have in our body do the how they. <sighs> it can just go free. um go free yeah i mean also doing some through yoga and breath work and i mean it's the same principle this is almost like from a non movement or just intention you send the intention somewhere and it can develop into movement or into something else but
0: hmm.
1: yeah this this is what we talked about before this materialization no? hmm. You have the intention, because intention is also important in a way. Yeah. Intention, but at the same time, not 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 looking at it, you know.
0: Oof. And that seems to be the trick, I mean, isn't it? It's like, again, we've been hovering in this conversation between form and freedom and discipline and improvisation. And it's that dual awareness that you're talking about or the capacity for multiple awarenesses to kind of harmonically live at the same time yeah. that opens up the vitality mm-hmm. of our potential. Mm-hmm. So I want to ask you, Anik, because you just mentioned, you know, yoga and, and breath work, you know, if we were to apply these principles of movement and improvisation to our lives, I wonder if you would play like, you know, be our guru for a second, our friend guru. <laughs> but like, you know, so so much of the past two years has been an unknowing for us, Mm. you know, because our lives have come to a full stop and it's forced us to reevaluate, reprioritize. And at least in my own small life and in my own friendships and circles, the last two years have completely changed the course of my life. Everything I thought I knew or where I thought I was headed, like I was probably so firmly planted in the intention and the map and where I was going and the pandemic forced me to reconsider, to stop, to unknow, to consider a different way of living and to unknow what I thought I knew about what really mattered or what I thought my life should be about. So here I am making a show. Um, but how would you relate dance to the kind of courage that we need to have in everyday life to move toward what we don't know or the unimagined or that that effortless um, space of flow and improvisation um
1: i think as as we have cuz i i like uh, ambiguity where two opposites uh, can coexist and um uh and i think we see it a lot in society at the moment that there's so many polarities that mm-hmm. there's a complete blockage of it and um I think through dancing, creating arts, you give space to this, um, to the ambiguity, mm. and also as as um, as a human being, I think often the most the hardest thing sometimes is to to trust or to believe. And exactly what you said, I mean, your podcast is called "Unknowing." To trust the, or believe the unknowing, and to mm-hmm. to embrace also that it can be two opposites at the same time. But yeah, to to let go in a way of of the the need to control and to foresee and to to lose ourselves in in discussions about right or wrong or mm-hmm. you know because it's a bit of a waste of time, because in the end, we we all, deep down, I think we we all have the same desires and needs and discussions about um, about a yes or no or right or wrong. It's just, uh, it's mind games in a way. I didn't uh, answer your question.
0: No, no, you did. And even the way that you're saying, you know, if we get stuck in this place where we only see the duality, it's either this or this, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm either a musician or I am an academic or I'm either a lover or I'm a mom. It's like we create these separations in which we think that there are two irreconcilable things happening that make Mm -hmm. us think that we have to choose one or the other. And what you're saying is, no, you make the middle note the middle way mm-hmm. the the ambiguity becomes the third note that forms a chord <laughs> and then all of these things can harmonically coexist and we can let go of our judgment yeah. of each other and ourselves that critical voice can be softened into the softness of fluidity and dance and playfulness mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i'm i'm so inspired by you and i i i like to usually close these conversations by asking about what you are having to unknow these days. So, you know, what, Anik, is your growing edge of unknowing? Is there something that you are actively working on letting go of? Or is there something you're being challenged by in your own artistic practice or expression these days that you could share with us?
1: Yeah, I think it's it's what what I talked uh, I mean, it's also coming from things in my personal life, but um, yeah, it's, it's uh,
0: wait. You mean you have a life besides dancing? <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's a good. Um, no, but uh, I mean the two, of course, they're they're linked. That they're, they're completely linked together. But um, uh, yeah, it's to 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 believe to to trust instead of uh, being yourself. Carried away by pessimistic thoughts and too much rationality, because that's—I mean—there's there, so much around it. And I'm—I'm I'm a very rational person, also um, on one hand. <laughs> and to—I I think it's—it's it's important for me at the moment to find um, to accept uh, the the unknowing. it's—it's it's a beautiful word. this unknowing, but. And and to believe, and because we create our reality, you know, so if we don't believe it first, it cannot happen. If we don't imagine a better future, it will not happen. You know? And at the moment, I think it's, it, it's it made very hard to believe in a better future, but if we don't imagine it with our um, mind, there's no chance. But it's also a challenge for me because, yeah, it's a bit, uh, uh, yeah, politically, uh, it's everywhere. It's a bit of a big that's mess. Heavy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's happy. And that's where I think artists, they can, at least they can create hope and inspiration and you know, a bit of positive vibes.
0: Well, um, you certainly have been an inspiration to me. And in many moments in this past you know, several months when I have questioned what it is that I'm doing, <laughs> when I let the rationality go too far into pessimism and feel myself disbelieving that this way of being creative and trusting the unknowing is possible. I've seen your movement and have had moments of real like my heart has been moved, watching you move. And oh, that means not. <laughs> yeah. So I just want to honor you, Anique, for for being such a, a vessel for that creative spirit and for allowing it to move through you and touch people. It's thousands of people, millions of people, people you don't even know, people like me. So thank you. Mm,
1: thanks for sharing. That's a bit of a, we were talking before about non, not being goal oriented but of course I would like to share more of my work to not only through videos and and YouTube and Instagram, but uh, for in live shows, you know, to have a live performance with, with people. Yeah. So yeah, I hope that's a hope and a wish for the future, something I I imagine and, and um and that that artists in general find this trust and confidence to keep pushing and doing and experiencing and finding the essence, wh- why they love their art form so much. Because I mm. think it's, it's very, very important these days. Mm.
0: It is, it really is. So I'm gonna go ahead and just um, place in the intention of my imagination that I'm watching you perform live somewhere very soon. <laughs> and thank you, Anique, for being willing to come on the show and share so beautifully your experience of movement, but really inspire us to be fluid, to have the courage to improvise and be open to forming that middle way that can hopefully create a harmonic chord out of our lives. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. So we are learning how to leave behind the map of the critical mind, that only seeks to disembody us. (laughs) And we are trying to learn how to trust the inner compass of our bodies, the movement of becoming, to take us somewhere unexpected, but richer than we could have dreamed of. Here are a few pieces of True North wisdom that I'm taking from this conversation. I loved Anik's description of the body being this mediator between what could be The realm of imagination or concepts or ideas, and what is the material, manifest, embodied reality. With that in mind, it really opened up for me the role of discipline and devotion. That we're tuning ourselves to be fully present so that we can be the best possible vessel for possibility, so that we can open ourselves up. So completely, so fully, to be that limber and flexible, to be able to move in unexpected grace. And okay, to break that down at a really practical level. Showing up for your daily practice, whatever your daily practice and rituals are, which are those acts that help you let go of the monkey mind, your crazy, critical self and be in the body and be in the moment, helps you be here in a state of openness and receptivity. Whatever those practices are, we have to do it. And we don't do these things because they make us more spiritual. We do them because they make us more creative. They help us become the type of people who are not getting in our own way and getting stuck in your own head, analyzing yourself. When we can get out of that state and be in flow, then we're able to offer something vital to the world. You can dream bigger. Your limitations fall away. You get more collaborative. Which brings me to the second piece of True North Wisdom. I loved her description of the vital importance of collaboration And particularly, as it was so obvious in the conversation, I'm sure as you listen to it, when she said, the results should never be above the process. The process ought to be a piece of art. I have been making this my mantra for some time now, and I invite you to do the same. The process is the product. When you allow your focus to be entirely on points of arrival, you are disembodying. You are leaving this moment. Which means that the process is going to be shit. <laughs> Quite simply, that's what's going to happen. But if you reverse that order, as we discussed, as Anique was inviting us to do, if you reverse the order and make the process the product, you make this moment the piece of art then you are able to be in a state of flow and collaboration and creativity and ingenuity because you're not freaking worried about the expected outcome that you've declared as the only possible version of success that you can imagine. Look, none of us can imagine what the real gift is of the things that we are making. So just put it out of your mind. It's not to not have a goal, but it's to say that the expectation of that outcome is not up to us. So being in the moment, being collaborative, making the process the product. Final piece of True North Wisdom. I was very struck by the visual that Anique described in the difference between the schools of dance that begin with critique versus the schools of dance that encourage experience, how it feels from the inside out. And I couldn't help but draw the parallels to religious frameworks that cause us to disconnect from our own embodied experience or even the social pressures and realities that we experience to hit these arrival points on arbitrary maps of success that are really largely based on what other people's stories so i think one of the core takeaways from this conversation for me is to continue this daily practice (laughs) of unknowing the voice of critique from the outside in and trusting or remembering or being membered to the deeper instinct of my own creative becoming that's it for today's episode if you're enjoying these conversations i'm going to invite you to become part of the company the collaborative dance group of unknowing join us by making it possible for these episodes to continue to happen Unknowing is made possible only because of the generosity of its patrons. So you can become a patron by clicking on the link in the show notes of this episode, or you can also donate in any amount to unknowing.org. The link to that is also in the show notes. And finally, in the words of Rebecca Solnit, leave the door open for the unknown, the door into the dark. That's where the most important things come from, where you yourself came from and where you will go.